What's going on? And welcome into a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek, a playoff edition. I'm Daniel Salerson. Game two tonight in Phoenix as the Pelicans take on the Suns with the Suns leading the series 1-0. You can watch it nationally on TNT with Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller, and our next guest, which is Ali LaForce, host and reporter for TNT. She is gracious enough to join us on a busy game day. Ali, I appreciate the time. How are you? So good. Thanks for having me on. I'm enjoying the series and there are about a thousand storylines, as you know. So, you know, when you cover sports for a living, you you live for storylines in a game, and this has no shortage of that. Yeah, we'll get to some of those. We won't go through all of them uh, throughout this podcast, but I wanted to start first with you were uh, in Los Angeles for the Pelicans' big win over the Clippers, so you've been able to follow the team a little bit. Just talk about what the this run that the Pelicans have made, going from 1-12 in all the way to where they are now, having to win two win or go home games to get to this position. What have you seen from them in the last week or so? Well, I've seen a lot of confidence. They're very unfazed by the score, the deficit, the result, the building, being on the road. And that's something that you can't teach. I think the addition of CJ McCollum was really helpful. Larry Nance Jr. This team has just a really well-rounded group of veterans and players who have uh, a lot of playoff experience and players who are lacking in that department. And they seem to all come together to be just in the same mind frame, one of my favorite things to watch is the players during the warmups, the national anthem, and then when they do their introductions. And this team just couldn't love each other more. I mean, the way they look each other in the eye and hug and chest bump, and it's not part of a show, it's real. And so, you know, that's a huge hurdle to overcome as an organization, uh, building that connection because it's not always natural, but it seems to be for this team. Do you see that with a lot of teams? Look, you cover the entire league, and I know for the most part, every teammate gets along, but have you seen that kind of camaraderie like the Pelicans have uh, covering the team, uh, all the teams over the past year? Um, I don't think it's common. No, I don't. I think there's a handful of teams that have it. And I think it's built from the top all the way down to the very bottom of the organization over time. I think it's built and developed. And there are a few organizations that have really mastered that. It's about communication first and foremost, and then respect. And um, I would say it's more uh, common that you see the other side of that in this league. You've been uh, able to chat with head coach Willie Green throughout this process over the last couple of days. What have you learned about Willie throughout your time speaking with him and just uh, him being in his first year as a head coach, uh, being able to make it to the playoffs? It's incredible. I think it's a testament to not only his hard work and his basketball IQ, but his willingness to listen, listen to mentors, other coaches, uh, watch and observe, you know, and pick up on the things that were successful in other programs. And then the ability to listen to his players as well. I think listening is a skill that is so underrated and he is so patient Fiercely competitive, but patient. And uh, it's been really impressive. I know his relationship with Monty couldn't be any deeper. Um, and it's wonderful to see them go head to head because both of them are just really kind, patient, old souls. And to see them get fired up is uh, really a joy to watch. And I think that, you know, their team enjoys it too. And I can't wait for more of these battles. Uh, that was going to be my next question. When you're talking to Willie Green, does it feel like you're talking to Monty Williams and vice versa? Because they seem like they're the, basically the same person. Of course, Monty coached Willie <laughs> back here in New Orleans. And then, of course, Willie was under Monty for the last couple of seasons with Phoenix. I just feel like I know being working with Coach Williams here when, when he was here in New Orleans. And then Willie, the mannerisms, the way they approach media availabilities, how they talk. I mean, it just it seems like they're, they're two peas in the pod. <laughs> 
It's interesting. I think what's cool is if they heard you say that they would both say that it was a compliment Mm -hmm. because that's how much respect they have for the other. And what impresses me more is not that they seem like the same person, but the depth of their relationship and the stories that they can tell about praying together and overcoming adversity and, you know, losing family members and leaning on each other during the most difficult times. So it's so much deeper than basketball. And uh, I think when we all look at our own lives and our own relationships, we think about who are those people in our life. And for a lot of people, you can count on one hand who that is. And so to have these two guys who are so close and playing in the playoffs against each other on the biggest stage that they've worked really hard to be at is really rewarding to watch. Where the Pelicans are, they hope to probably get to where Phoenix is. I mean, obviously that's a really fast kind of timetable as far as getting from eight and no in the bubble for Phoenix to the finals last year. And I know the Phoenix Suns are on a quest to try to get a championship this year, but do you see some similarities on the path potentially for the Pelicans to take? I know it's early in kind of year one with Willie, but I do see some similarities of this being a, a huge leap for them and using this playoff series as a great learning experience for some of their young guys. Yes, this is the beginning of something great. I think you look at the Suns too. Remember last year, they made the playoffs for the first time in 10 years and they went all the way to the finals. And that memory and the chip on their shoulder has fueled them all season. And it's why they're never going to take their foot off the gas. And I think that the, this experience could be really similar for the Pelicans who no, hey, I mean, we shot 23% in the first half, took a huge punch, but we brought it within single digits. And that gave them a lot of confidence knowing we have the skill set, we have the physicality and the determination. You know, we're just a little bit of experience or a little bit of talent away. And to be close is uh, a really beneficial feeling because that can fuel you for years to come. Did you get that feeling when you're watching the first half the other night that maybe the youth and lack of experience in the playoffs really kind of not caught up to the Pelicans, but that kind of maybe they're trying to get the jitters out of the way a little bit. Did you see a little bit of apprehension with them kind of not playing like they usually were just based on they were on a pretty big stage here? It's interesting not being in their shoes. I don't know what the exact reason was, but I do know they were getting the shots they wanted. The the missed open shots and then the missed bunnies and putbacks were just really hard to watch because you feel for them, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, it rolls around the rim or it's just an easy bucket with the putback. And I think I was more excited to see what they were going to do in the second half. Cause it would tell you everything about their character. And they showed that they're not intimidated. They want to fight. I mean, I just love that. Um, Valentinus had a really tough time in that game and he's wearing the mic for us tonight which showed me he's not shying away from adversity. He's excited about a second chance for a victory and to show that he can dominate inside. Um, But I thought that was very telling. And I think that's sort of the mentality of this whole team as you go individual by individual. Speaking of domination, it just felt like Chris Paul was in that mode in that fourth quarter, unfortunately for Pelicans fans to see that, especially Chris starting his career in New Orleans. Um, how big was that to see for Chris Paul? You know, he heard Willie Green say to go under screens and Chris kind of took that personally, knocked down three straight threes. I mean, that's just kind of the Willie Chris Paul talk. we know, right? Willie better talk softer next time. Exactly. Yeah, I think I don't think it matters what you do on the screen to Chris Paul, to be honest. He's going to figure out a way around it because he's just been in the game and has become such an expert of this game. And um, it's incredible to watch him play. You know, he's like a magician of the game. Um so he, he's just really tough to beat. And that's why, you know, he's been a part of five programs or franchises and four of them have set records for wins. 
uh, in franchise history, which just is a testament to his ability to build and to make his teammates great. And so, you know, even if you're a Pelicans fan, I feel like you can still watch him in all and have respect for what he does in the game because it's just so impressive. I don't know how much you've been able to talk to Chris, but I'm sure it's been a little bit. Do you, do you feel like there's pressure? Does he feel pressure on himself or putting it on himself to try to, you know, this is their no. best chance? With, is there any, is he putting that pressure on himself to get the ring? No, that's not the impression that I have. I have the impression that he relishes this moment and he lives for this and he's been here before and he knows exactly what he needs to do. And he's very excited to go back to New Orleans and just see some of the workers that were um, a part of his life for his time that he was down there. He also has some family in the area. So um, I don't get that impression at all. Before I let you go, uh, the Pelicans hope they are making it back to New Orleans with a 1-1 tie instead of being down 2-0. We talk about adjustments, and that's going to be all the series is about. What are the biggest adjustments the Pelicans need to make in order to try to make this a series and go home 1-1? Yeah, I just think that they they can't miss easy looks, easy buckets. They have to take advantage of all the little things like free throws and uh, minimizing turnovers. And we, we know that they have the physicality and the ability to out-rebound, get some offensive rebounds working on their side because those extra points in the playoffs go a really long way. But uh, there just isn't room for runs of mistakes. You can maybe make a mistake here and there, but you can't do it for you know more than a minute or two um, because this Suns team will take so much advantage because of their expertise, their chemistry, they're just seamless as a team in their communication and in their game. And so it, it's just, it's about playing your closest uh, to a perfect game. And I think any team would tell you that in the postseason, but especially going against the team with the best record in the NBA. Allie LaForce, she'll be on the call tonight with Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller on TNT nationally. Allie, I appreciate the time. Have a great call tonight and uh, hope to see you in New Orleans over the weekend. Back at you. Thank you, Daniel. Have a great night. You too. There she goes, Allie LaForce of TNT. Again, Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller on the call with her tonight. But also, don't forget, you can list lo- listen and watch locally. Valley Sports New Orleans will have the game for you with an hour pregame show with Aaron Hardigan and David Wesley. And then Joel Myers, Antonio Daniels, and Jen Hale have the call on ESPN New Orleans tonight on the radio side. Aaron Summers and I will have pregame for you starting at 8 at Tracy's. Come out and join us for a watch party. Todd Rapnini, John DeShazer have the call from the Footprint Center in Phoenix, Arizona. After today, the Pelicans will travel back to New Orleans tomorrow and get ready for game number three Friday night at 8.30. And then Sunday night will be at 8.30 as well here for game number four. And hopefully that is not the last game of the season for the Pelicans. Tickets are going quickly for games three and four here in New Orleans. So if you haven't secured your tickets, make sure to log on to pelicans.com slash tickets to get your tickets. Both games are almost sold out. So again, if you haven't gotten them, Go out to pelicans.com or log on to pelicans.com slash tickets. We'll see what adjustments the Pelicans are able to make, if they make any lineup changes, any rotation changes. Again, it was a tale of two halves for the Pelicans, just 34 points in quarters one and two, and then they were able to knock down a lot of more shots in quarters three and four, scoring 65 points. Of course, it wasn't enough, and Chris Paul was plenty for the Suns, 19 of his 30 points coming in that fourth quarter oldest player in NBA history with 30 points and 10 assists but again thanks for Allie for a quick little preview one to give you something before tonight's game three watch parties again we'll be at Tracy's also the Pelicans will have one at Wrong Iron and then of course Pels 12 at Mid-City Yacht Club we don't care where you are as long as you're in front of a screen watching Pelicans basketball that's all we ask so one of the three watch parties or in the comforts of your home Valley Sports New Orleans, ESPN New Orleans, 100.3 FM if you want that local flavor. If you're not in the area, 
and it's the best bet to get the Nationals call, then TNT will be your best bet. Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller, and Allie LaForce. We'll have a recap for you tomorrow. Hopefully, it's a win for the Pelicans. Stay up late, get some coffee, and rest up. Should be a fun one tonight from Phoenix until tomorrow. Hope you enjoy the game. Go Pels. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeking.